I'm Lisa Udelson, and this is a Meditation House Call. A few years back, I got a mystery disease totally out of the blue. Something was going on with my blood. No one could figure out why, and I was scared shitless. Western medicine saved my life, but meditation saved my sanity. Now I'm in remission, but relapse looms over my head like an anvil, and mindfulness keeps me from looking up. I'm a gay divorcee living in Los Angeles with a teenage son, and I'm a worrier by nature. So I'm still a mess, just a calmer, less reactive, more tolerant and peaceful one. And I'm offering up what I've learned to help others. Take what you want and leave the rest. I'll start out by telling you a story, then I'll lead a guided meditation along the same theme. What do you have to lose but some fear, regret, and anxiety? Today we'll talk about unpredictable life paths. The Udelsons are like German shepherds. We have a family proclivity for hip dysplasia. In high school, I suffered from so much pain, I saw an orthopedist. You have bad hips and big boobs. No jogging. Despite his inappropriate comments about my breasts, I was delighted to have been given permission to not run. In my 30s, I seemed destined for a hip replacement until my girlfriend suggested yoga. In those days, there wasn't a class at every gym or a yoga studio on every corner. It wasn't about your core or staying toned. It was a spiritual practice that prepared the body for long periods of sitting meditation. Yoga was in its infancy in America, being practiced by Madonna, some sensitive ponytail men, and me. Decades later, I'm still at it, having discovered that if I say yes to yoga, I say no to pain. When I find a teacher I like, I tend to follow them around from studio to studio like a little puppy. It's not exactly a crush, just the joy of discovering an instructor that makes me laugh, says what I need to hear, and leads a class that includes pigeon pose. Jane Doe was my first fixation. I was fascinated by her knowledge, her confidence, and her badass demeanor. Jane taught a class that was strenuous and demanding. She sang Sanskrit prayers. By the end of class, I would achieve a euphoric, meditative state like nothing I had experienced before. My mind was a black hole, staying present with what was going on in the steamy, sweaty room. One day during class, a student stood up from her warrior two pose to go to the bathroom. Where are you going? Jane shouted. The woman slunk back to her mat in shame. Go to the bathroom before class. You're a big girl. You can hold it for an hour and a half. Once a guy clomped loudly across the room, returning to his spot with a block, a strap, and a bolster. Everyone stop, Jane demanded. Walk lightly. She made us march in a circle like careful kittens for the rest of the session. I never pounded the pavement again. I know how it sounds, but for me, 
her strict instructions made indelible marks. Ninety minutes in Jane's presence promised an informed, unpretentious, spiritual ride, and she always delivered. To this day, Jane's instruction changed the way I walk, step by mindful step. Jane Doe stopped teaching at the studio. I'm pretty sure she was let go. She had a tough time finding her way afterwards. She struggled to make ends meet. She led some yoga retreats. Friends and I hired her for private classes and massages. Then life happened, and my relationship with Jane faded away. Years later, when my son Theo was in kindergarten, I was on the elementary school campus when I saw a woman clinging to the chain-link fence, smiling as she watched the children play on the yard. Weather-worn and leathery with uncombed, medusa-like, platinum-dyed hair, something drew me to her. As I got closer, I realized it was Jane. When Jane was my yoga instructor, she was the picture of health, a picky vegetarian, careful about what she put into her body, and very opinionated about what I put into mine. She was sharp as a tack, had big feelings about every topic, and she let everyone know it. And there she stood, munching on McDonald's fries from down the street. I considered walking away, pretending I didn't see her. I was afraid I might say the wrong thing or burst into tears, but I couldn't do it. Hi, Jane, I shouted as I got closer. Lisa Udelson, how's your son? He's amazing, I said. There he is, right there. I pointed out my kid, and Jane cooed, beautiful boy. I asked Jane if she was living on the street. Yeah, for now. I have a few things in the works, she assured me, as she pocketed the 20 bucks I offered. Jane had told me about her family history with psychoses and that she had a schizophrenic father that died by suicide. Still, it surprised me to see her at the fence that day, and it continues to shock me every time I see her on the streets of Venice. Maybe it's because Jane gave me something so valuable. The lesson on walking lightly introduced me to the benefits of presence that my meditation reinforces every day. I may not have had a life that incorporates mindfulness had it not been for Jane. She seemed to have it together down to her spiritual bones. I can't seem to reconcile her wisdom with her life path. Occasionally, I see Jane around the neighborhood. I wave and say hi, then I do time over how I could help her. Last week I was outside Whole Foods, and she was there, more weathered with even crazier hair enjoying an ice cream cone for breakfast. Hi, Jane, I said as I sat down next to her. Lisa Udelson, how's your son? He's amazing, showing her a photo on my phone. This time I thanked her for being the best yoga teacher ever, told her that I pee only when I won't interrupt the flow of the class, and that I often think of her as I walk lightly. We met eyes, and for a moment... I felt our connection flood back in. She said how much she appreciated the comments, abruptly rose, spoke something brilliant, then something unintelligible, and disappeared. Theo and I often deliver food to the people living on the street behind Gold's Gym in Venice. 
It's good for him to hand a bag of trail mix or some beef jerky directly to a person, to look into their eyes and recognize there isn't much difference between us and them. Whether it's the result of bad luck, circumstance, or choices, I'm pretty sure that most of those residents didn't set out to live in a tent on a sidewalk. We never know for certain where our own paths may lead. I hope that we run into Jane one day, so I can introduce him to the woman who taught me so much, but especially to walk lightly. Time for a meditation house call. This meditation is a heart practice, as it opens us to compassion for ourselves and others. The loving-kindness, or metta, meditation is my go-to when the chips are really down, when I'm feeling regretful of things in the past, anxious about the future, or having a really hard time with someone. It's a powerful meditation, and I suggest it as another tool in your meditation toolbox. If it resonates, fantastic. If it doesn't, there are plenty of other meditations to try. Here goes. Get comfortable in whatever way is right for you. I like to place one hand over my heart and the other on my belly. It makes me feel grounded and safe, as if I'm being held by a loved one. My eyes are closed. This practice is a series of offerings from the heart. First, we send phrases of well wishes to ourselves. For example, May my heart be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe from harm. May my body be strong and healthy. May I be happy. Choose any phrases that work for you. Like putting on an oxygen mask on an airplane, we start with ourselves. May my heart be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe from harm. May my body be strong and healthy. May I be happy. Repeat these phrases silently to yourself as long as you like. Then offer these well wishes to others a benefactor, a teacher. It can even be a pet or someone who's no longer alive, someone you learned from. May their hearts be filled with loving kindness. May they be safe from harm. May their bodies be strong and healthy. May they be happy From there, we move on to a loved one. May their hearts be filled with loving kindness. May they be safe from harm. May their bodies be strong and healthy. May they be happy. 
then onto someone that's difficult, not the most difficult person, but someone with whom you've had some struggle. May their hearts be filled with loving kindness. May they be safe from harm. May their bodies be strong and healthy. May they be happy. After that, you can move on to your family, your community, our country, the world, and all beings everywhere. Pick and choose as necessary. Experiment. May my heart be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe from harm. May my body be strong and healthy. May I be happy. The loving-kindness meditation gives us a focus. Repeating these phrases of well-wishes can be a relief from the challenge of placing our attention on the breath. In doing so, the practice gives us the opportunity to share our mindful awareness practice with others and the chance to treat ourselves and others with compassion. May my heart be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe from harm. May my body be strong and healthy. May I be happy. May my heart be filled with loving-kindness. May I be safe from harm. May my body be strong and healthy. May I be happy. When you're ready, open your eyes and take one breath as we end the meditation. Thanks for listening and for practicing with me. This is Lisa Udelson coming to you straight from my son's closet and put together mostly by me with major guidance from producer Darby Maloney, and many thanks to Fred Rappaport and Static Music. You can read more of my essays and find out about Meditation for Realists on my website, lisaudelson.com. Please join me for the next episode when I'll talk about 
how to use meditation to manage physical pain. Until we meet again, take it a breath at a time.